Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friend? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Good to have you here with us today. Today, we uh, have a repeat guest that we had on recently. Before we get there, though, let me remind you, if you haven't already, you definitely got to pre-order The Successful Speaker, our new book that's going to be out February the 18th. We've been working literally for the past couple of years on this project. We're really excited about it. And uh, if you're serious about building and growing your speaking business in 2020 and beyond, then this is the book for you. Again, the book is called The Successful Speaker. Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. So to pre-order it, we've included several different pre-order bonuses. You can get all those and all the information by going over to thespeakerlab.com slash book, thespeakerlab.com slash book. All right, so today we are bringing back on Terry Brock. We had Terry on episode 265 just recently. And at, at that time, we talked a little bit about virtual speaking. That was something Terry was doing more and more of. And we thought, man, that, let's dig into that a little bit more. So we had him back for today's episode to dig into the weeds, talking all about virtual speaking. So the technology, the microphones, the camera that you need. We also spend a lot of time talking about pricing yourself, talking about the different types of clients that uh, are hiring uh, virtual speakers, how to position yourself, how you can actually make more by speaking virtually than you could by speaking on stage. So we talk about a lot of the upside of it, of if you're going to do this and things to be aware of and, and consider presentation skills for speaking virtually versus in person. So a lot to get to, wide-ranging conversation. I think you're going to get a lot from this. Let's jump into this conversation with Terry Brock. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are joined once again by Mr. Terry Brock. We had just had Terry on episode 265, and uh, he is back for seconds. If you've listened to that episode, one thing he, he touched on was the virtual speaking that he has been doing, and uh, that's a topic that we've had a couple questions about. So during the uh, that recording, we actually were like, we, we, let's just let's have another episode. So he is back to talk about all things virtual speaking. So uh, Terry, welcome back, man. It is great to be with you again, Grant. Really good to see you. I love your haircut again. It's so simple. So simple, right? Absolutely. The amount of time that you and I spent combined on our hair this morning is probably the amount of time we spent all year on it. Uh, there you go. Very little. <laughs> so I'm curious on this. Speaking is obviously one of those things that a lot of people, we enjoy doing. It's a lot of fun being on stage, connecting with an audience, the standing ovations, the spotlight, the autographs, the picture, all of that is great. But you and I have both have been in the industry for a while now, so there's also some, some non-glamorous, non-sexy parts to speaking that make the virtual side a, a little bit intriguing. So can you kind of talk about it from that side of the, what are some of the non-glamorous, non-sexy parts of speaking that most people don't think about? 
Grant, you raise a real good point because a lot of professional speakers are talking about that, particularly more today than I heard even a few years ago. I've been speaking professionally for, well, 36 years now. So I figure I'm off to a good start uh, and I've seen it, but I know what it's like. And like the idea of you know, traveling is sometimes the, there's the inevitable flight delays and then there's the weather and then there's the uh, mechanicals and then there's the, oh my goodness, uh, terrible customer service kind of thing that you run into. And that's bad enough, but we can tolerate that. It's kind of like, okay, first world problem, not yeah. a problem. The real issue, though, uh, you and I were talking about just before we started recording. I was talking to some other professional speakers just this weekend, and a few of them weren't able to get out and do as much because they got pneumonia. Yeah. They got sick. But go, go, go all the time. I'm no medical doctor. We didn't study a whole lot of medicine when I went to business school. But uh, they, I did learn that when you push your body too far, too much, it has a way of coming back. Yeah. And I think you got to find what works for you. Now, I don't want to stay home all the time only, as much as I love where I am. I'm here in Orlando and we got a nice place and it's, the weather's great and all that kind of thing. But at the same time, I don't want to have to do it like I've done before, where every day is a different city. Yeah. It wears you out. And even more important than that, it is a terrible business model because it's not leverageable. Yeah. You go somewhere, you know what it's like. You go somewhere, you fly to, oh, let's say Vegas, and you speak for a convention, you have a great time. There's the standing ovation. They give you a nice check. Right. I mean, we're making what a good, uh, well-to-do doctor would be doing. Yep. We're fine in, this, in the industry, but that's not leverageable. What is leverageable is something where you can multiply it. You can expand it. You've got the scalability. Oh, that's just musical to my ears. Scalability. Yeah. Woohoo! Yeah. I like that. Because when you can do that, in conjunction with speaking also, it's good. And the nice thing about it is, Grant, the principles that you have so eloquently showed people what to do, the teaching on how to speak, how to design their stories, and what you've done in your work that's so good, much of that applies to video. We will have to make a couple of adjustments, but still, what you have said, your core material is still good for video. Yeah, and we're gonna, I definitely want to, to dig into that. And you, you made a great point there that I remember early on in my speaking career, I had a, a speaker friend of mine tell me that uh, speaking is a high paying manual labor job and yep. that we get paid way too well to stand on stage and run our mouths. But the nature of it is you do have to get on a plane. You have to go somewhere. You have some of those delays. You have some of the sickness. I remember uh, I remember a, a couple of years ago, a speaker friend of mine, I think went to like a routine doctor's appointment and found out he had a brain tumor and they, were in the, they ended up able to, to remove it. He's fine today. But he was unable to drive for several months and some of the, the rehab stuff. So he lost just a ton of gigs that he had and yeah. the gigs that he was able to do like locally or regionally, his wife had to drive. And so it just creates a lot of logistical challenges. You know, so you have some of those type of things that the nature of speaking requires you to get on a plane and go somewhere. And when other situations arise, whether that's sickness or you just need a, a little break or whatever it may be. Uh, and it makes it problematic to deliver your speech, then all of a sudden it, it becomes difficult to, to, to be a speaker. There's times where I'm sure you and I both had it where like, I don't feel like getting on a plane. I don't feel like leaving my family. I, you know, I, I remember yeah. early in my career, like backing out of the driveway and seeing my daughters standing in the window there crying as dad yeah. leaves again to go to the airport. She's like, crying and you're headed toward these TSA people ready to grope you. That's <laughs> horrible for both of us. So there's definitely like that side of it that it's, it's difficult from a business model perspective. And it, like you said, if you go to Vegas and you speak to 300 insurance agents out there, you can only speak to those 300 insurance agents who are in that room versus, you know, the other people uh, all over the place that you may be able to impact with your message. 
Yeah, but you know, there also, there is something, I'll amend that just slightly as we head into uh, 2020 and we look at what's there. There's also the hybrid meetings. I'm doing that with a client right now where he is a professional, he's a dentist and he trains other dentists how to do certain procedures. He works with other dentists that might come in and be a guest speaker. He, he and this other dentist do it and they rent a facility and they bring in 10, 15, maybe 20 other dentists that are there yeah. in the room, but we broadcast it via Zoom out to thousands of others who are interested in that. So now cool. you're kind of getting the best of both. And the nice thing about it is he's doing it right there in his own hometown. So he doesn't have to always get on a plane. He does yeah. occasionally, but he could do it right there in his hometown. People come into him, they get that. And then anyone else that wants to partake of this, they can do it. And of course with Zoom, it's not like you're watching a YouTube video right. and you're just sitting there mesmerized watching the video. You can interact. Right. You can get questions in. You can go, hey, we've got a question from Mary over in Des Moines, Iowa. Mary, how you doing today? How's yeah. the weather? What's your question today? You make it something so that it feels very interactive and good. So I think really harvesting and doing more with the hybrid model is what we're going to see ahead for many professional speakers. All right. So let's dig into the weeds here on the virtual presentation. So when we're talking about giving a virtual presentation, what does that mean? You mentioned like Zoom as a, as a tool, people uh, may be familiar with Zoom or something like a Skype. What does that actually look like? Is that, is that still like a physical audience sitting somewhere else in an auditorium or theater or conference room and you are at home speaking into a camera and it's just being projected? Like, can you kind of talk us through like what Practically, what does that look like? Yeah, what we're doing right now, and of course it can be done many different ways. What we're doing is um, imagine a conference table in a, uh, in a room and you've got about five, 10, maybe 15 people seated around that conference table. They're looking at each other. They're there. You've got the class going on. And we also have a couple of people that have cameras set up. Most of those cameras are on tripods, strategically placed, and one person is in the back doing the switching. So when uh, the professor is speaking, we're using camera number one. Yeah. And then there's a question from over here on the right side, click over on camera two. Right. Until they finish their question, then we click back to number one for the professor. And then we might go over to the other side of the table. So you position these, put a few cameras with tripods there. You have a switcher and you might have another person who can walk around with a portable camcorder or smartphone that that way they could get a better angle. They can get something right. different or they can get a little more close up or do an actual interview with the person to talk with them. And so I see that happening. And then also one of the things we do is you bring in someone else who is not there to talk on screen. So in this case, what we do, they would tap into a doctor who had a particular specialty in a given area that would be for the clinical types of training we're doing. We would tie in with Dr. Mary Jones, who is in New York. She's not there with us, but she talks now about things. And now others can join her and ask her questions remotely. Those in the classroom can ask. And it becomes something that's really nice for everyone. And one of the real benefits of it being scalable, it's scalable in two ways. One we can add thousands, literally thousands of people joining us there remotely. And secondly, we got this wonderful little thing where we click a button and it says record. And now we've got it for all time. And so that's really good also because they're looking for continuing education. They're CE right. credits. And we have that. It's available. It, you don't get the same credit, at least in some states, if it's live that you would get when it's recorded, when it's self-study. But that's okay. They're still getting it. And they're able to go back to that really good part where Dr. So-and-so talked about this really important technique and they can review it in their office or wherever they happen to be. 
So from a speaker's perspective, you are at home or in some type of office and you are just speaking into the camera there. You're obviously not in the room with the, with the setting or with the audience. So is there anything different that you're thinking about like as you are presenting to the camera? Because uh, obviously it's a different dynamic of them watching a screen versus watching you live. Yeah, again, this is where the work that you have done and how you've talked about in your material, Grant, has been so good. I mean, it's excellent material for standing on the stage. A lot of it can be translated, but also we need to do things differently. For instance, I'm looking right now into the camera. I've got to make sure I look into the camera too often. Grant, have you noticed people that are talking to you like this and they're right. looking over here and they think, they're doing it, they think it's okay because they have your screen over here? Right. But because, and they said, we're told, we were all told by our mothers, rightly so, when you're talking to someone, look them in the eyes. Yeah. And we're supposed to do that. Well, their eyes are over here, but we got to amend that slightly with all due respect to our mamas. Yeah. We have to say, wait a minute, <laughs> right now we're going to look directly into that webcam. And there's a few little tricks and techniques you could do. Like, for instance, something, and I'll tell people to get a, an index card, something like this. Yeah. Cut a hole in the middle of it and put that over the webcam, and on the side of it, put a picture of someone you really love. Okay. Put that picture there. So now you're looking directly at that person you really love, and you realize, okay, that is the way that my eyes are going to be. And of course, there's a hole there, and the people at home feel like, yeah. oh, he's looking at us as if he loves us. That's yeah. good. So you're, you're smiling right now, but you're not really excited about me. I don't know what, what's on the index card. Yeah, I don't actually have one right <laughs> oh, now. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> That's a good point. Okay, so I'm curious then from, like, from a booking perspective, how this works. So are typically, I know that this is something you're doing more and more of now. Is this something where an event is approaching you or a client is approaching you and saying, we are actually looking for a virtual presentation? Or is this something where you're talking about a potential event and you're floating out, hey, rather than me flying to Vegas to give this presentation, what if I gave this virtually? How is that even... How is that coming up and how is that coming to be? It comes up in a variety of ways. I'm, I've been doing it for several years now that way with re remote, not only with Zoom, but with Skype. I think I mentioned before, I was the chief enterprise blogger with Skype. So I worked with them, knew the technology. What I would do is, uh, for instance, I had one meeting planner that uh, wanted me to come for a certain date. And uh, the date was good at that time, but they said, you know, what's your budget? And I know according to the FTC here in the United States, we don't talk about numbers, uh, you know, but uh, my budget was this. And they said, oh, gee, we only have this much. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, Grant. A little bit. You've know, <laughs> got this much here and they only have that much. And I said, well, tell me a little bit more about what you're trying to accomplish. And they said they're trying to really get their people up to speed on social media. Yeah. They want to do it. And I said, well, you know got an idea that might help us both out. Here's what we can do. In one session, we might get them energized. I'll give as much information as we can, but one session is not going to do it. What if we have a series of sessions so that instead of one, it's like the first, you know, we do it at uh, three o'clock on uh, Monday afternoon, every Monday for the next four weeks, yeah. something like that. And they say, oh, because that would come from a different budget the educational budget versus the conference budget. Yeah. So, okay, well, we can combine them. And then what happened was I got an engagement over in Germany. So I was over in Germany. Their meeting was in California. Well, what I did is I just said, hey, no problem. I stayed up very late there in Germany and I was doing the program and interacting with them. They would come up to the screen. I make sure that when I, I just did one last week to Canada, to a group up in uh, London, Ontario, in Canada. And I would ha we had a place, the microphone set up. People would come up to the microphone and 
ask their question. We could hear them clearly that way. Mm -hmm. We had a view of the audience. So I could say, raise your hand if you're such and such. And you, sir, there on the front row with the blue suit on. You've got to tell us about da 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 da. Yeah. And we were laughing and joking with them, having a great time. And so what you can do is you can take that and do the presentation that way. You can stretch it out over multiple dates. So you accomplish it even more. And actually what happened is instead of this amount, they ended up spending this amount yeah. because it was something that helped them even more than right. one keynote address. They got that, but they got even more. So I think the key is understand the technology, understand how we can use it and how we can make it flexible so that both parties come out with an even stronger win, whatever the result. Are there any type of industries or, or clients that you have found that this works better in than others? Because some they're like, oh yeah, I immediately understand how this would work. Or you mentioned like continuing education credits that some uh, companies or industries are used to that. And this is just a form, a different form of delivery than a person standing there live in front of them. So are there some that you found like, hey, they, they are really receptive to this versus others. They're like, this is just really trying to go against the grain here of what they're used to. And it, it's, it's just an uphill battle that is hard to overcome. Have you find some industries are more receptive than others? I think it's uh, not only industry. There might be uh, technologies a little more open to it in some. However, I think it's more up to the individual. In a way, it's kind of like people say, well, if you're older than a certain age, whatever age they arbitrarily pick, you're not going to be good with technology. Go, yeah. Really? I know people who are in their 80s and 90s that are using technology aggressively. They're yeah. teaching me stuff. I know people also that are in their 20s that aren't touching it. Yeah. and wondering what to do. So I don't think it's an age thing and I don't think it's an industry, but I do think it's a psychographic of understanding your mind to say, let's try this. And I can think of why people initially don't want to do it. And this is where, by the way, those of you watching this, this is where the skills that you can get from Grant and learning from him can be really beneficial because too often when they think of a person coming in via video, they're thinking, oh, the terrible B word boring. And it's just going to be one person go drooling on and on and on, you know, and you think, oh, that's so boring. It's terrible. And it is, but a real smart communicator, someone who connects with others will know how to use that medium to be able to say things like, hey, gentlemen, there in the third row there with a the blue suit, you raised your hand on that. Would you mind coming up here to the microphone so I can talk to you a little bit? I'm saying that to them. I'm a live person. I now move from, they're just showing a video, yeah. a YouTube video or something, but it's like, this guy is real. And yeah. often I get people saying, Terry, it's like you were right there with us. Yeah. So, yes, that's the whole point. So I think you want to be flexible. You want to learn the tools and you want to learn a few additional presentation techniques that will be important that would only work on video. Like if I'm going like this and coming over here or going over here, or so it can be really distracting. I'm stepping off there. I've got my green screen behind me, which kind of keeps me a little bit more focused uh, right here. Mm -hmm. But you want to learn those techniques for video which some of them are the same, but there are some others that are quite different for video versus on a stage. Do you find that there are some clients that you're like, I just, I can't, like they haven't done this before. This is a whole new concept to them. They get it conceptually, but it's also something where we've had speakers before and they come to us and they stand on this stage and they present. And so they just can't get past the, you know, the mentality of like to do this event, we have to have someone here. Do you find that to be the case sometimes? Oh, often. Matter of fact, I've dealt with that throughout my career. I started back when days where it was very evangelical to get people to use a computer. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't even want to do it. And they would use their calculator because I trust this calculator versus I remember even before that, my grandfather saying he didn't trust a calculator. He would always have to figure numbers out by hand. 
because the calculator, it might not be right, you know, yeah. and until, but you and I go, well, of course it's the calculator. I, mean, right, I can barely right. put it. We would very seldom, if ever, list a bunch of numbers on paper right. and, and then start adding it up mentally. Only right. we wouldn't do that, but we were used to it. I think that's the key. What we want to do is make them comfortable with it and get them used to it. And a good way to do that is to show them what can be done. Let them see it happening with their own eyes. Cause when they see it and they go, Whoa, that's pretty nice. And then bring in something with the video that you couldn't do with someone standing on the stage. For example, I could bring in a me on the stage, but also during this program, I reach out and grab two or three other people, not a whole lot, but a few to bring in geniuses and experts on a particular topic. So we could say, oh, wow, you got her to come in, that famous person who's an expert in this field. Wow, yeah. you tapped into him. Yeah, and not only that, we had the two of them on stage, if you will, I'll put stage in air quotes, on stage at the same time. Yeah. And we could talk to them back and forth in real time. They took questions from the audience. So audience members got a chance to ask big name celebrity, noted authority in this field to do that. So once you understand the technology, what we can do, now your brain starts running and going, hey, we could turn this into something pretty spectacular by using video. I'm not saying we'll never again stand on stages. No, we want that. Yeah. We want that. That's a good thing. I live in Orlando, Florida. I moved here for a specific reason. Right. As a speaker, I want to be here where so many meetings are going on. It's nice that I don't have to worry about getting on the plane always. There's a lot of meetings in Orlando. I often just take an Uber over there and I come back and we're all set. I even got rid of a car four years ago. So we don't even have a car now. We just use Uber to bounce around wherever we're going. It works out beautifully that way. So do you find that there are, like, as you're trying to demonstrate to a potential client, like, this is what it would be like, how are you doing that? Are you showing, like, here's a video from, like, a, a previous uh, virtual engagement that you did, so they kind of get a sense of it, or are you, hey, let's hop on Zoom now instead of a phone call, and let's kind of dialogue, and I'll kind of show you what this would look like, or how are you giving them a taste of this is what it would be like? First of all, talk to them about it, let them see what's happening, and then I would show them some of the videos that I have done, the kinds of things where we have done it before. And then third one that would really be good, so let's say you're going to speak in Vegas, you're going to, and you're going to do it by virtual. You want to mm -hmm. do it virtually. And they're in Vegas, you're in Nashville, and you want to make sure that it's uh, done. What I would, and you're going to do that on uh, May the 15th, okay? Yeah. What I would do is somewhere early in the month of April before that, I would do another one so they get a chance to see what it's like. So you're doing a bonus session for them where you tap into this person and that person that are particularly good. I do that a lot when I'm speaking to, say, an association. Uh, if I'm going there to speak in person or yeah. whatever, sometimes I'll get two or more people, usually two is about right, that are in their association who everyone knows. They know old Charlie. He's been around for, everybody loves him. He's doing really well in his business. And then there's Mary. You know, everybody loves her. She's up there in Seattle. She's really rocking it. Her business is great. We'll get the two of them on screen. Yeah. And then as a facilitator, I can talk to them and use industry-specific terms, industry-specific phrases to really help them. And then to bring in people from around the country that they know. Yeah. And then what we do is I'll say, oh, and by the way, if you like this, you really want to join us in Vegas on May the 15th next month, because we're going to hear about this and this, and Mary's going to share all these good things in addition to that more than we can do right here today. Yeah. You want to be there. And what happens then, meeting planners look at it and they see a spike in registrations after that. Because then they go, whoa, this is good. We ought to do more of this yeah. because, hey, something that is comfortable, is educational, is fun, and makes a lot of money 
Yeah. So let's talk about the money standpoint. How do you typically charge for these gigs? Because it, it, outside looking in, it feels like it would be different in the sense of, all right, you don't have to travel there. You don't have to go. It seems like it's, it's certainly simpler for you. And so there, because you're not in the room, it seems like hypothetically there would be a lower perceived value versus you actually being there live in person. Do you find that that is that event planners have the same perception or they said, no, we're full fee, whether you're here or not, or how, how are you pricing this or approaching this versus a, a typical in-person event? I have to say, I followed the uh, wisdom and the sage advice of Alan Weiss, uh, a friend of mine and a member of the National Speakers Association. I interviewed him just a little while ago for the National Speakers Association, our VIP suite, and he has a big mantra of doing value-based fees. So your fee is based on the value you're going to give them. And I think what a professional needs to do is not just say, I charge X dollars for doing this speech. And sometimes that's appropriate. They want that. But more than ever, try to find the extra value you can give. If you can give a value to them that solves a $250,000 problem yeah. and you're charging a fraction of that, then, hey, that's well worth it. Matter of fact, I would even dare say, excuse my language, they would be foolish to not hire someone who can solve that larger problem simply because they're saying, we don't want to spend that much, whatever it is, yeah. for a speaker. But I think the key is you want to demonstrate value. And so it's going to vary from place to place. Sometimes it might be over a period of time. Sometimes you might throw it in free as part of what you're doing in speaking somewhere regularly. So I'm finding that more and more we become detached from, I go here and speak and I charge X dollars. That's nice. And I know speakers bureaus work that way. Yeah. But I find speakers bureaus want to make money and the real good ones will work with you and be creative to figure out ways that everyone can benefit. They can make more money. The speaker can make more money. And the client is giddy with glee getting problems solved that they didn't even begin to think they could do just at a convention. Yeah. Uh, the traditional speaking model is kind of what you described there of go there, speak, collect check, end of transaction, you go home. It sounds like with a virtual approach that you're doing, you're doing a lot more and they're potentially getting more bang for their buck than just a single transaction or the single event. So like you yeah. mentioned, hey, instead of me just doing this one talk, what if I do you know, once a month over the course of six months and we can dig deeper into this topic and I can also help you with some you know, additional in the weeds training stuff or accountability stuff. So at that point, maybe it expands it much more from I can come there and I do one talk and I go home and you'll never see me again, end of transaction, to now here's this bigger, more all-encompassing thing that ultimately drives results and hopefully gets some of the change that we're going for. It can oftentimes realistically, you know, little secret as speakers is it can be hard to accomplish. You, you fly in, you speak once, you go back. It can be hard for them to implement in that short period of time. But it sounds like with this that you you, you get into the weeds with them a little bit more. And so potentially, there it's actually a, arguably maybe a better return for their investment versus you actually coming in, doing one talk and leaving. Precisely. You want better return for them because if people go, wow, when I hire Grant Baldwin, he, we give him a dollar and we get $10 back. Yeah. You know, that formula is going to work no matter what. And so you want to do that. But think about also another thing you can do, Grant, as a speaker to speaker, you know, a lot of people who are really experts in certain areas. Mm -hmm. They're really, really good. And they're your friends. You also know people that you could reach by either a first or second level of contact. Well, what if you're speaking for the Widget Makers Association. We'll say you're back in Orlando. So you're coming here and you're going to swing by and see Terry because it's a state law that you have to come by and see me. <laughs> and, he, and he doesn't have the car to come to me anyway. So. Well, that's right. There you go. <laughs> so, but you'll be able to come over. Now what you do is you say, oh, wait a minute. I know Mary Smith and she is an expert in this particular topic. While I'm making my presentation, I'm going to call Mary Smith and see if she can do me a favor. 
that she's just going to come on for five, 10 minutes. She'll be there, say hello, talk about something and she'll get something out of it too. We'll figure out a way that she gets a way to give her contact information or mention something or is exposed some way uh, with her. People can understand how to hire her and work with her. I think that would be really good. And so now what you're doing is you're bringing in the famous Mary Smith that everyone in the audience goes, wow, how did you get in touch with her? Well, it's because you know a lot of people. So now we're getting you money and you're adding value based on even more than the knowledge you have. Interesting. From a technology standpoint, and just like a setup perspective, I know that you've been doing this a lot more today. So this is a bigger part of, of what your world looks like. But I'm curious, what are the things that we need to have in place in terms of thinking about cameras, technology, uh, microphones, lighting, backdrop, green screen, all that stuff? What do you recommend, especially for early stages of you know, those first couple of virtual gigs? Yeah, there's quite a few things, and I don't know how much time we have to do that, but I would say most important is what is important in video. The most important part of video is audio. You want to make sure you've got it. Grant, I see you're using a microphone. You're right there. We can hear you. Your voice is coming through. How's my coming through, by the way? Beautiful. Sounds great. Yeah, because I'm using an external microphone here. Don't tell any of the grown-ups, okay? But this is where it is. It's right here, and I put it down right there. You don't see it now, do you? Yeah, no. But yet you can still hear it. So you position it some way so that it works just right. For a uh, camera, I like to use an external webcam. I'm using that right now. I'm using the Logitech C920. Okay. And that gives me the ability to have really clear uh, video. I'm looking at getting their new Brio from Logitech because it gives us 4K resolution, a little bit better. We won't be able to use the 4K on tools like Zoom yet. They're working on it, but the bandwidth is a big issue right now. And by the way, on the microphone, there's many microphones you can get. I use that. I have a backup standing by. Here's my lavalier mic that I can click on, and I just click over there and zoom to select the other microphone. It works really well. Always have a backup because old man Murphy knew about uh, computers when he wrote his law. Yeah. And you want to make sure you've got that set. Your lighting, critical. Make sure it's there. How's my lighting coming through? That's yeah, fine. It shines yeah, right off your I've dome. Got, I love it. I'm looking out right now in the glass windows here in Orlando, and uh, it's coming. It's a little bit cloudy today, which is actually just right. Yeah. Yep. So I use that. However, lately in Orlando at night, it's been getting dark. You know, it does that in Orlando now. It gets dark at night. It's strange, you know. So I need to have these things called lights because I've got people that want me to do video, say, over in Australia yeah, and or other parts of the world. Or, hey, maybe they're, we're just doing a night session. So I've got lights spaced around me that I've used and worked with. Here's a couple that I'm using, by the way, that I can carry on the road. I've got two of these. Okay. This is a little light here that you can get for about 15 bucks or 20 bucks, I guess, over at Amazon. And you click on the little button here. I don't think you can see that right here, but there's a little button. And I do that and it gives me just enough light to help uh, make sure my green screen works if I need it. Yeah. Or when I'm in that hotel room and it's a dark night there and I want to do a video that I really have to do, I carry two of those. They're very easy to throw in the carry-on luggage and you got them. And that works really well. And there's all kinds of other little handy tools that you give. I talk about this a lot in uh, coaching that I do of yeah. what's available. But the microphone, a good a webcam, and a few extra little lights that you can bring can be really good. A flashlight could be nice if it's positioned the proper way. You got to play with it a little bit and uh, get it right. It sounds like most of the, the virtual presentations you're doing are via Zoom. Is that the typical go-to tool for, for these? I use Zoom extensively, uh, although, I, as I said, I've worked with Skype. I love them, wonderful people, great tool, but I just like Zoom a little bit better. But we yeah. also use uh, Facebook Live, sometimes just okay. live going into there. 
using that. I use Loom. Loom mm -hmm. is an excellent tool that is free. They have a free version and a paid version. It's a Google Chrome extension, and it gives you the ability to send a video email. Yeah. So you can do things like say hello to someone that you met last night at the uh, the mix and mingle there, the Chamber of Commerce thing. And you go, hey, Martha, it was really good to meet you last night. And I know you were interested in this. Here's an article that I found. Click, click, click. And here it is. I thought I'd send this over to you. There it is. And so Loom is a fabulous little tool. You can get that at useloom.com. By the way, I'm not getting a commission on any of these. I should. But the, you know, I'm not getting a commission on any of that stuff. I just want you as my fellow videographers and people that are entrepreneurs reaching out there wanting to improve speaking and want to improve your uh, skills of communicating on video and use those. I think you'll find them very handy. So whenever you are, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I want to dig into it just one more second here. When it comes to presenting virtually, obviously it's going to be a little bit different in terms of like you are, you know, either seated or standing. You're, you don't have necessarily a stage to move around in. You can't, you, you, because you're, you're spending the whole time staring at the camera, you're not necessarily being able to see the reaction of the audience. So uh, again, are there any tactics or best practices you, whenever you are speaking virtually that you want to make sure that you do or don't do to continue to stay connected with the audience? Yeah, very important to stay connected with the audience. What you want to do is, if you can, have another person that's monitoring the chat. Okay. We do this, like this coming Thursday. We've got the uh, VIP suite. That's the virtual interactive presentation suite that uh, Roger Corville talks to us about. Very important. And what we do is we're doing it. We do, matter of fact, we're doing the final one of not only the year, but of uh, sessions that I've been doing for over a year and a half for NSA. And we've got our, a couple of people really well known in uh, NSA there. But what I'm doing is I have Phil Gerbeshack, mm -hmm. who I think you know as well yep, yep. from our group, and he monitors the chat. And every so often, what I do is I pause at like, for instance, we go for an hour to hour and a half. When we're at 20 minutes into it, I pause. And I say, well, Phil, how are we doing on chat? Now, I can see chat myself, yeah. but I need to focus on what I'm going to say. If I'm yeah. looking at chat and trying to do the other, it can be disconcerting. If it's just me, then it would be appropriate to say, oh, hey, it's Sam. Sam over in St. Louis. How you doing, Sam? Good to see you. Those kind of comments can be good, but you want to limit them because after a while, it gets a little bit. Uh, yeah. annoying and tacky. It's like, okay, I'm going to tune into your Facebook live, but I need value. Right. I don't need to just know that you're saying hi to Sam right. in St. Louis. Yeah. Interesting. Terry, this has been uh, super interesting. Uh, if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can we go? Well, of course, did, did you notice my very subtle uh, notice I see it. here? You know, people on the, very, on, the, very on the podcast aren't going to be able to see it, but tell, tell us where it is. It is there. You go to terrybrock.com. That's T-E-R-R-Y. And Brock is spelled the right way, B-R-O-C-K, so terrybrock.com. And matter of fact, also, if it's all right, Grant, I wanted to give your listeners something, no charge at all. If they need some help, I'm there. And they can go over to 20withterry.com. That's two zero, as in 20 minutes, 20withterry.com for a free session of coaching, finding out what you're doing, answering your questions. If you've got some other question, go, hey, I want to talk, uh, do this with a podcast. I want to do that. Give me a call. And again, no charge on that. It's good feedback for me. And we have other programs that people want to get involved. That's possible later, but only if they want to. So cool. it would be 20withterry.com. Awesome. Terry, thanks for the time, man. We appreciate it. Grant, always good to see you, my buddy. 
All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Terry Brock. Again, I'd encourage you to check out his work over at terrybrock.com. And like I mentioned at the beginning, don't forget to pre-order The Successful Speaker. The book is going to be available February the 18th, but you can still go ahead and get your copy as soon as possible uh, before the book comes out. February the 18th is The Successful Speaker. Get your hands on that now. Again, you can get that and all the information about it and the pre-order bonuses by going over to thespeakerlab.com slash book, thespeakerlab.com slash book. All right, my friends, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.